In your Bibles now to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. especially be looking at verses 1 through 8 today, but we'll read the entire chapter, remembering that this is the word of God. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. It was our preaching text now for the rest of the chapter. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw under the sun, in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in my heart, concerning the condition of the sons of men, God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so does the other. So dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals for all his vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men which goes upward and the spirit of, an of the animal which goes down to the earth? I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works for that is his heritage, for who can bring him to see what will happen after him. May God bless to us the reading, hearing, and preaching of his word. Now these first eight verses of Ecclesiastes 3 are really, really familiar to some of us. If you are in the boomer generation, particularly early to mid-boomer, you know the song that the birds had as a big hit in 1965. Turn, turn, turn turn. And maybe I've said just enough that it's rolling around in your head right now. There are an awful lot of changes in life. Nothing seems to stay the same. This was some of what the sons of Korah were talking about in Psalm 46, that even the earth that we think of as steady, it shakes and quakes 
and mountains get thrown into the sea and hurricanes come up and all kinds of things. But despite all this chaos, all this noise, there's a place of rest. There is a place of restoration. There is a place of constancy. And that is in God in and through his son. But there are plenty of changes and some seem to be at different times almost the opposite of one another. So we all come into this world by birth and we all go out by death. So far, there have only been two people, two men who never died, Enoch and Elijah. There will be more for those saints who are alive at the return of Christ. But until that time, there are no more who will escape death. Sometimes we plant and then we pluck up. You plant seeds for peanuts, you've got to go along and pluck them up out of the ground later on. The same with carrots and radishes and potatoes, sweet potatoes, any kind of root crop. Sometimes there's a time to kill. We must do this judicially at times, but there's also a time to heal. There's a time to break down and a time to build up. And sometimes this is the case we see in church discipline. Or sometimes this is the way we must do with other things as well. We must break down before we build up. Think of buying a piece of land that has an old derelict building upon it. You want to place a house there or something else. You must break it down, clear the lot, make it ready for building. A time to weep, we have that sometimes. And then there are times to laugh. Uh, there are times to mourn and other times to dance. And sometimes these things go not quite together, but they can be very close in time. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. You know, we cast them away because they're in the way. We cast down, uh, as I was just talking about, perhaps a stone building. But then we gather together in order to build back up again. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. You know, I can hug to myself, Judy, but you other ladies, I really shouldn't do that. Um, a time to gain and a time to lose. We see this so very often in the vagaries of the stock market and the economy. Time to keep and a time to throw away. Now, there are those who don't like to keep anything, and they are eager to throw stuff away. This is, I don't know where to put this. It's not doing any good. And other people, well, I might need this sometime, and they don't let go anything. But for them, there is a time to, um, to throw away, and for the others, there's a time to keep. There's a time to tear and a time to sew. You know, it might well be that we have to rip out a seam because of some reason, but then we've got to sew it back up. It's a time to keep silent and a time to speak, and this requires much wisdom. You know, sometimes there are those of us who are tempted to talk whenever, and we just pipe right up, and we've got to remember that there's a time to remain silent. Others are more shy, more hesitant, more unsure of themselves, and they won't say anything when they need to, but there is a time to speak. It's a time to love and a time to hate, and it can be in the same thing. You know, we think of God being a God of love, but he hates the work of sinners because their work so often goes against his love for his only begotten son, and 
his son's bride. And so God, while loving his own people, hates those who hate them. There's a time for war. Those who are pacifistic need to remember this. There is a time for war. But those who are ready to go at the slightest provocation need to remember that there is a time of peace. And we could go into all kinds of elaboration of all this, but we did it. Um, there are so many changes in life. Uh, we all go through this to some extent. Um, there are times of joy and times of sadness. There are times of loneliness and times of great togetherness. There are times when we have people close by and when people are far away. There are times when God calls us into one thing and then times when he calls us into another. And all of us here have experienced that with being students. We were students once and that was our calling. And then that time of being a student ended and we were called into something else. Uh, there was a time when I thought God was calling me to be an attorney and then God said, no, I wanted you to think that for a while so that you would pick up certain things. But now here's what the calling is that I have for you, and that is to be a minister. There are people whom God moves in and out of our lives because there is a time for us to know them and a time when we are done with each other and he pulls us apart. So all these things are changes in our lives. And <coughs> there is an everyday temporal way of looking at these things that can be profitable, it can be useful. In a worldly sort of way, it can be useful to consider these things, that it's not always one way or another. But there is a deeper spiritual application of many of these as well. And as I went through the list, I'm trying to bring that out a little bit. Now, Solomon says here in verse 1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose, not on earth, but under heaven. So who ultimately appoints when one time or another comes? Who says it's time to be born? Do we make an application? Do we set in motion our own birth? And how about our deaths? It is sinful for us to take our own lives. And so the only godly way to do this is for God to be appointing it. It is under heaven. Now, worldly people seem to think that no one appoints the times. They just kind of happen randomly. To them, things just happen. And irrationally, it's by chance. And really, to a person like this, the world is completely unpredictable. How they live under such a way, I do not know. But whatever is now shall change. And there's no assurance of any stability. Again, it's like in Psalm 46. All for them is change. All is flux. All is ultimately meaningless and vain, noisy sometimes, chaos. Such a view goes so well along with a lot that's in the book of Ecclesiastes. Because Solomon writes intentionally from an assumed viewpoint that is apart from God. So this goes along, such a viewpoint goes along well with much that, it's in, that is in here. But 
here Solomon has started out in verse 1 saying that all of this is under heaven and this is the correct perspective. Now he's already been looking in chapter 2 at vain pleasure, at vain worldly wisdom, and at vain useless work. And now he is seeing that, and he did come to see and came to express uh, in, in chapter 2 that uh, in verse 24 through 26, nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat or, can, or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. And so he continues this perspective, you see, by saying that all this change happens. And the only constant in many ways in our life is change. But it is under heaven. It is under the direction of God or to be bringing things into a viewpoint more that we should be having today. It is in the hands, the nail-scarred hands of the mediator whom he has set upon his holy hill as we see in Psalm 2. All is in God's hand through the mediatorial king, Jesus. Which means that all the changes that happen are not random. They are not fluctuating. They're not utterly and ultimately meaningless and vain. No, rather, they have purpose. There's a time for every purpose under heaven, it is written. The Lord Jesus Christ has given himself to us, after all. And he has taken us to himself in the covenant of grace. And we, in some ways, reenact that in the Lord's Supper. For we take him to ourselves, his body and blood. We take him to ourselves in the Lord's Supper and him alone. And we, by doing so, profess that he alone is ours and he takes us to himself. We know because of this that all will be for whatever the change might be, will be for God's glory, for Christ's glory, and for our good, no matter what the times bring upon us, no matter how painful they may seem to be for a while. We need not, we must not judge that somehow God has lost control or that somehow God is unwilling to care for us. No, we must remember, as we see in Hebrews chapter 12, that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Right? And so we receive discipline in order to be made more Christ-like and to be more fitted and prepared for heaven and for our everlasting abode in our Father's house. And so we have hard times at times. They either happen to us or to people whom we love and we yearn and we pine and we're allowed to cry out. It's allowed to hurt. And we're allowed to tell God that it hurts. So much of the Psalms are that way. But for us to be worked up and worried that somehow God doesn't care. 
or that God's out of control. The situation is too bad even for God. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. No believer should be holding to that. And we do by times. And our Father loves us as his little children and by times allows that to go on for a little while. But in his kindness, he brings us around to see the promises here in Scripture. If there are hard times, there will be a time of good. Um, and if there are hard times, they are not random. They are not out of God's control. They're given by him as a special time for a special need that you may not even realize that you have or will have. It is preparing you for more godliness, more and everlasting life with him. So there is meaning and purpose for both the easy and the difficult times in our lives. So difficulty may come. I can think of difficulties in my life and things that I've experienced in just the past couple of weeks. So when hard times come, we mustn't despair. Now, there have also been some good times. There have been some obvious answers to prayer, and there have been other good things happening. We must be careful not to be slothful in our ease. When we come, appealing for the first time in a while to something in the Pilgrim's Progress, as we're crossing the plane of ease, we must not think that we can just be lazy and just kind of sit there and enjoy. No, we must be working for the Lord's glory and improve this by giving glory to him and giving thanks to him. We must seek to serve the Lord Jesus in every sort of time he appoints for us, knowing that it's for our good and to be used for his glory. Now, as I say, I've had some hard things to deal with in this week, and I have had some really cool things happen that I don't want to talk about in a sermon, but they've both been present, and most all of us can think of this. Remember then that these things happen from the hand of a father, and they happen from the hand of a savior. He who gave his life to you, gave his life for you, will he not continue to care for you? He who has given us, as Paul says in Romans 8, his only begotten son, Will he not also with him give us all good things? Indeed, he will. So the hard times you're going through will not always last. Give thanks for that. The good times you're enjoying, they won't necessarily always last either. Pray that God would give you strength to be ready for that which lies ahead. After the plain of ease is the valley of the shadow of death sometimes. So um, be seeing that all these things are in his hand, don't be thinking that this is just an anti-Vietnam War song. It was adapted to that. This is your assurance that the triune God knows you, loves you, and arranges all things in your life, working them together for good, because you know God, and you are the called according to his purpose, as Paul again says.